What is Maggie or Modified Adjusted Gross Income? Stick around and find out in this, the 27th episode of the Retirement Planning Education Podcast. Welcome to the Retirement Planning Education Podcast, where you can learn all about IRAs and Roth IRAs, employer retirement plans, taxes, social security, Medicare, portfolio withdrawal strategies, annuities, estate planning, and much more. And now here's your host, Andy Panko. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Let's talk about Maggie today. Who is she? No, I'm not talking about Maggie Simpson or Maggie Thatcher. I'm talking about the IRS term Modified Adjusted Gross Income, which goes by the acronym Maggie, M-A-G-I. So you may have seen this term thrown around, may have heard it in podcasts, read it in blogs, etc. Um, you may have, you may know of one or a few different Maggies. But as you'll see today, there are multiple different definitions and calculations of Maggie throughout the tax code. What I want to touch on today is just the, um, there's about a dozen Maggies that I'm aware of. I'm I'm sure there's even more, especially in some of the deep down, more uh, esoteric parts of the tax code. But the ones I'm going to talk about today are the ones that you are most likely to come across in um, planning for your retirement, whether you're already retired or nearing retirement. These are the ones that uh, I think you're likely to hit. Not you won't hit all of them, but some of you, um, many of you listening, will will come across at least some of these. Now, this list isn't exhaustive. As I said, there's other Maggies here. Specifically, the other few coming to mind that I'm not going to mention are um, relating to like education credits, for example. There, there's some tax savings for uh, higher education expenses and in student loan interest. Um, there are there there's Maggie specific to those which I, which I'm not going to touch on again because I'm trying to focus on the retiree retirement planning specific ones. So I'll also start by saying I did do a YouTube video on this which has the uh, there there'll be a link to that in the show notes. Um, there that that has the actual formal definitions of each of these Maggies I'm about to discuss. So check out that video for the full details because some of the ones I'm, I'm talking about today uh, I'm, I'm not going to go line by line in every every. Uh, calculation of, of the Maggie's because there are some things that are rarely relevant to people. I may just sort of gloss over them. But if you want to see the full down and dirty details of the actual definition of Maggie for each of these ones today, definitely check out the check out the YouTube video. So now um, let, let's start at a high level by the, the term Maggie is modified adjusted gross income. That all starts with adjusted gross income as the baseline, and, and I'll go through what that is. And then modified just simply means it, it takes your adjusted gross income and tweaks things, you know, adds things to it, subtracts things from it, and then uh, you know th- that's the Maggie. Now, why are there different Maggies, and what is Maggie even for? Well, there's various things throughout the tax code where um, the amount of benefit you may get or the amount of uh, additional tax you may have to pay is keyed off of this Maggie, you know, this income-based threshold for whatever it may be. So for example, uh, a lot of you listening probably know or are aware of Roth IRAs. If you have uh, earned income from a job or from self-employment, you may be able to contribute to a Roth IRA where again, a Roth IRA is you don't get any tax deduction on the money you put in, but the money that's in there will grow tax-free and eventually come out tax-free. But not everyone can contribute to a Roth IRA. There are income limits. If your income is over a certain level, you get uh, partially or completely phased out from being able to contribute to a Roth IRA directly. There is a specific Maggie definition of Maggie used 
just for determining your eligibility to contribute to a Roth IRA. So that's one Maggie, for example. Uh, again, it starts your gross income, tweaks it a little bit. That's the Maggie that dictates whether or not you can contribute to a Roth IRA. There's another one to uh, determine uh, for, for Medicare, which I'll touch on, you know, Medicare IRMA, Medicare surcharges. If your income, if your Maggie's over a certain level, you have to start paying more premiums for Medicare than other people do. So again, another income-based uh, provision of the tax code driven by a Maggie. So, so let's start. Let's start with adjusted gross income. This is a big one. Um, this is a key line item in your tax return. And, and, and I would recommend everyone, even if you don't do your taxes yourself, be at least loosely familiar with the structure of, of tax returns, um, you know, how the tax structure works. I have another video, check that out. You know, I forget what it's called. It's like the overview of the federal tax system or something like that. There'll be a link to that in the show notes. It just sort of walks through at a high level how, how the structure of income taxation in the U.S. works. I think that'll give you a good baseline understanding of taxes and tax returns. So definitely, definitely check that out. But there's a term adjusted gross income, which, which is a big one. Um, you can see it right in your tax return on the on the 2021 tax return. I believe it was line 11 on the, tax, the form 1040 tax return. And in essence, I'm kind of oversimplifying, but it, it basically just adds up all of your income, specifically all of your income that's potentially taxable. And then it subtracts from that a bunch of uh, reductions slash deductions or adjustments, technically they're called. And that net figure is your adjusted gross income. And your tax return is not over. There's more things that happen down the line after adjusted gross income to figure out how much tax you actually have to pay. You know, there's tax credits and uh, um, ultimately, you know, the amount of taxable income you have to pay is, is based on adjusted gross income minus some deductions and et cetera. But let, let's leave that for another episode. So just to hit quickly, on the main things that are in uh, adjusted gross income, fairly straightforward. A lot of these things, it'll be wages. Now, uh, it's wages net of any pre-tax deduction. So, like if you make a hundred grand from your employer and you make a ten thousand uh, dollar pre-tax four hundred one k contribution, only ninety thousand dollars of those wages is actually taxable, and that ninety thousand is what will be reported on your tax return as potentially taxable wages. Uh, next would be interest. Interest specifically from municipal bonds. So bond, if you if you own municipal bonds in a regular brokerage account, where again, uh, municipal bonds are are bonds, you know, certificates of, of a debt issued by local state municipalities, for example, uh, interest you receive from those is is federally tax free in most cases. So that is not included in your adjusted gross income, but interest from other sources, savings accounts, uh, U.S. Treasury bonds, for example. Um, corporate bonds, that interest is all included in your in your gross income, adjusted gross income. Dividends, you receive dividends from from stocks you own in a brokerage account, that's included. If you get, um, you take a distribution from an IRA or an employer retirement plan like a 401k, 403b, federal thrift savings plan, uh, that's that's included, or at least a taxable portion is, not to further complicate things. Let, let's just assume those, those distributions are all pre-tax money, hence they're fully taxable. If to the extent there was some already taxed money in those plans, then not all of your distributions will be taxable. But let's keep it easy for today and, and assume all the money's pre-tax. Roth conversions. If you do a Roth conversion, the portion of the conversion that's taxable will be included in your adjusted gross income. Pension payments. Same thing. Uh, if you receive a pension, it's likely going to be taxable. Now, there are some cases where, where it's not. 
especially if you contributed to your pension along the years while you were working, uh, a portion of your pension payments will be considered a tax-free return of your money. But to keep it simple, let's assume the entirety of your pension payment is taxable and hence included in your adjusted gross income. Annuities, same story. Uh, let's assume the annuity you bought and you have and the income you're getting is, is fully taxable. Social Security, split into two. At most, 85% of your Social Security is included in your adjusted gross income, uh, which means at a minimum, 15% is not. Now, the actual amount that's included in your case is based on this hairy, complicated formula beyond the scope of today's episode. But just uh, suffice it to say that no more than 85% of your Social Security payments will be included in your adjusted gross income. Capital gains, uh, having a brokerage account, for example, selling things at a gain, you know, selling it for more than what you paid for it, that is a capital gain. Those are included in your adjusted gross income. Refunds of state and local taxes. This one's a little tricky. Um, if you did, let me just leave it at this. So uh, sometimes, if you do get a, a refund any given year from paying state or local taxes, that might be included in your adjusted gross income. Um, there's more to it than that. I mean, if you if you took the standard deduction, then no, that refund is not included in your adjusted gross income. If you itemized your deductions and you got some itemizable benefit from having paid state and local taxes and you get some of that state and local tax back because you overpaid, then that may be, may be taxable. Alimony. If you received alimony, but only from a divorce that happened before 2019, you know, the, the, the formal divorce decree was pre-2019, that al alimony almost certainly is taxable to you, the uh, the recipient of it. Self-employment income, you know, if you have a, a side hustle or not even a side hustle, but you know, your, your job is, is you're self-employed, the net amount of self-employment income, which is basically in you know, all your revenue minus your expenses, that net amount is uh, is taxable and included in your adjusted gross income. Now to further complicate it, you actually get a bit of a savings from the self-employment taxes, you know, part of the payroll taxes you have to pay. Um, you do get a, a bit of a break from that. Uh, but you know, I'll stop that one there. Rental royalty in partnership, S corp or trust income. Uh, if you have a rental property, if you get income from a trust, that's taxable. If you get income from a partnership, like uh, you invest in MLPs, master limited partnerships, which are the common structure for owning, uh, basically owning stock in, in energy pipeline companies, you know, that, that all, uh, that, that'll be included as uh, adjusted gross income. Unemployment compensation is included and other, this is a big fat catch all hobby income. So let's say you, I don't know, you, you make and sell potholders, but you don't consider it a business, but you, you still make some money from it. You know, you sell these potholders for 10 bucks a piece at local craft fairs. You're supposed to report that. That's all hobby income. That, that's all subject to being taxed. And gambling winnings as well. Um, gambling winnings, uh, are, the gross amount of gambling winnings are, are supposed to be reported as, uh, as, as adjusted gross income. So those are all things that add or, or you know, increase adjusted gross income. There are a handful of um, reductions or adjustments that reduce it. This list is far from comprehensive. Um, if you want to see the full detail list, check out Schedule 1 to the 1040, but I'll, I'll just hit on some of the, the main ones here. Capital losses. So like I mentioned before, if you, if you own stocks, mutual funds, bonds, whatever in a normal brokerage account and you sell something for more than what you paid for it, that's a capital gain. Capital gains are taxable. But what if you um, total for the year, you sell things for, for less than what you paid for them? That's a capital loss you can deduct up to $3,000 of capital loss against other sources of income. If you have more than $3,000 of capital loss for the year, for example, 10 grand, let's say you bought shares of XYZ stock, you know, five years ago for, I don't know, 20,000 bucks, you sold them today for 10,000 bucks, you have a $10,000 loss. 
you can only deduct up to $3,000 of that loss against other gross income for the year. The remaining $7,000 of loss will have to be carried over to next year. Now, that's just if you don't have other capital gains to offset it. Any capital gains you have offset with capital losses, it's just the net amount of gain or loss is what I'm talking about here. So if you have a net loss for the year, you can deduct up to $3,000 of that net loss against your other sources of income. The rest carries over. IRA contributions. Uh, so regular individual retirement uh, uh, accounts. If you, this is one of the magazines we'll talk about. If you have earnings from wages or self-employment, you could potentially contribute to a, or you can contribute to a, to an IRA, individual retirement account. It may be deductible. If it is deductible, the amount of that deduction will reduce your adjusted gross income. Now hold that thought because I'll be talking about the Maggie used to determine if your uh, IRA contribution can be deductible. HSA contributions. If you, if you have a health savings account, HSA, which is a uh, investment slash savings account tied to having a certain qualifying high deductible health insurance plans, uh, contributions to such HSAs are deductible and reduce your adjusted gross income. Deductible part of self-employment taxes. Recall I said before, if you are self-employed, your net self-employment income is included in your adjusted gross income, but you get a bit of a savings in that a portion of the payroll taxes, aka the social security and Medicare tax you have to pay on your net earnings can be uh, adjusted down and, and, and reduce your um, adjusted gross income. If you make if you are self-employed and make contributions to a SEP, simple or qualified retirement plan, uh, you can potentially deduct those contributions. Another self-employed uh, adjustment is health insurance. If, if you self-employed and you pay health, health insurance, uh, it could be potentially deductible in the form of reducing your adjusted gross income. And alimony. Recall I said alimony received from a pre-2019 divorce decree is taxable to the recipient. Similarly, the alimony paid by someone under a pre-2019 divorce decree is tax-reducing to the person who pays and will reduce adjusted gross income. So th that, that's, that's the key uh, inputs to adjusted gross income. This is not exhaustive. Uh, I will I will link in the show notes a handy little summary cheat sheet I have that that runs through this recap of AGI I just did and also summarizes the five different Maggies I'm about to discuss in this episode. You get this neat, pretty handout here. Um, free to download. Again, link in the notes. Just keep in mind, this is not an exhaustive list. You'll see the, the big disclaimer at the bottom of it saying there are other things to be considered. I chose to leave out some of them that, that I think rarely apply to most people. Typically, it's a, a like foreign earned income exclusion, which I've, I've yet to see. Not to say it doesn't happen, but I've yet to see someone uh, th that I've crossed paths with where, that actually had these, these adjustments. So I figured I'd leave them off for the sake of cleanliness and not having this Maggie cheat sheet summary be too cluttered. So again, ch check the show notes. There's a handy one-page printout uh, summarizing the items that, that go into AGI and the five different Maggies I'm about to discuss today. Alrighty. So that's the background in AGI. Let's now get into the Maggies. The first one is the Maggie used to determine whether or not you're eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA for the year. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to say, um, and you'll see this in this, this handout cheat sheet that you can download. Uh, I'm just going to start. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say how these Maggies are different from AGI. And, and I, I think that's the simplest way to do it. So the Maggie used to determine whether or not you're eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA is your regular, it starts with your adjusted gross income, as all these do. You have to then subtract out any Roth conversions you did. So common question I get is, 
I'm just picking a number. Let's say the Maggie here is $200,000. You know, if you're over $200,000, you can no longer contribute to a Roth IRA. And some a question I got was, okay, my wages were 200 exactly. And I did a $50,000 Roth conversion. So my gross income is 250. So now I'm over the 200 threshold for this, for this eligibility. So therefore I can't do it, right? No, Roth conversions actually get stripped back out from AGI for purposes of the Maggie used to determine if you're eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA. So you back out your uh, Roth conversions, if any, from your AGI, and then you'd also back out uh, any, or I guess add back in, any deduction you got for making a regular IRA contribution, you have to add that deduction back in. That then effectively is the Maggie for purposes of whether or not you're eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA. Now, I did leave some out. There's a few more things to it. Um, again, the, there's a few foreign things that, that I think rarely come into play. There's a foreign earned income exclusion. There's a foreign housing deduction. So if you have a job abroad um, and, and you get some sort of benefit from housing provided by your employer, you'd have to um, you know, add that back into your gross income. But for the vast majority of people, this, this doesn't really count. Or I should say it doesn't come into play. Uh, there's also some educational things. So if you paid tuition and fees and you were eligible to deduct some of that, you'd have to add that deduction back in. If you took a uh, deduction for interest paid on student loans, you'd have to add that back in as well. Uh, so I'll, I'll stop there. These are things that for typical retiree, I think don't come into play much, these student um, you know, qualified education things. But check out the YouTube video again for the full comprehensive list. You, you can see it there in all its glory. But just to recap, uh, for most people, the Maggie for making Roth IRA contributions is uh, you simply your AGI, subtract out any Roth conversions from that, but add back in any um, IR, traditional IRA deductions that you took. Next, the Maggie used to determine if you can deduct your IRA contributions. So I said earlier in this episode, anyone with earned income, be it wages from working for someone else or self-employment income, can uh, can contribute to a traditional IRA. There's no there's no income based limit on being able to contribute. Where there is an income based limit in this case is your ability to take a tax deduction for that contribution. Not everyone who contributes to an IRA is able to get a deduction for it. Specifically, if your income is over a certain level, you get phased out from being able to deduct the the contribution. There's a separate MAGA use for that. Yay. Um, it starts with your adjusted gross income and simply you just add back in any deduction that you already took or, or could have taken, I should say, for a traditional IRA contribution. So it's a little a little circular, um, but basically just, you know, if you're if your normal uh, adjusted gross income is is five thousand bucks lower than it otherwise would have been because you took a, a deduction for your IRA. You simply have to add back in that five thousand dollar deduction, see what that then is your Maggie. And you have to compare that versus each year's limits, you know, IRA uh, Maggie limits to see whether or not you're actually able to take that five thousand dollar deduction in the first place. Now with the Roth IRA contribution Maggie, there's also some other stuff in here that, that I that I left out from my handy cheat sheet you can see and I left out from my discussion just now. It's the same foreign things and um, higher education things that were relevant to the Roth IRA contribution, Maggie. So for example, if you took a deduction for paying tuition and fees, you have to add that back in. 
uh, for this IRA deduction, Maggie. If you took a deduction for student loan interest, you have to add that back in. If you had foreign earned income credit, if you had foreign housing deduction, uh, sorry, foreign housing deduction, you have to add that back in. So there's a little more to it, but um, again, I think a lot of these things, or the, the stuff I chose to leave out won't apply to most people. All right, third Maggie, the Maggie used to determine whether or not you have to pay additional premiums on your Medicare Part B uh, and Part D if you have Part D. Now this only applies to people who are actually on Medicare, uh, which 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 means sixty five. But the the uh, the way the system works is they will look back, I, and I talked about this in episode five. So go back and check this. Um, the episode is called "Will I Have to Pay Extra Medicare Premiums?" The amount of surcharge you have to pay, if any, is based on your reported tax return income from two years prior. So if you are sixty five this year and you start Medicare this year, the premiums you pay will be based on your tax returns income from two years prior, which is the year you were 63. And they'll look at a specific definition of Maggie. And if your income was over that Maggie level, there, there's five different tiers for these uh, Maggies for, for Medicare premium surcharges. Again, go back and check out episode five of, of this podcast. But this Maggie is really straightforward. It's uh, the easiest, simplest of all of them. It is simply your actual adjusted gross income and just add back in any interest that was tax-free, which is uh, specifically interest from municipal bonds, if any. So for most people, uh, most people don't have municipal bonds, so therefore Maggie for Medicare premium surcharge purposes is simply just equal to AGI, Aggie. Um, the only difference is, again, if you did have excludable tax-free interest in your AGI because you had municipal bonds, then you'd have to add that interest back in for uh, this Medicare Maggie. So that one's really simple. Next, Maggie four, the Maggie used for the net investment income tax. Dun, 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 dun. What is that? So um, the net investment income tax is, I should probably do an episode on this. It's relatively new. It came in place, I think in 2013, I want to say. Uh, it is a tax specifically earmarked to help, an additional tax specifically earmarked to help um, uh, bolster the, the, the Medicare system. Anyone who has any married filing joint people who have gross income over 250 grand uh, will, will potentially have to pay this, or any single person with gross income over 200 grand will have to pay this. What it is, is any um, passive investment income above and beyond those thresholds I just meant, uh, mentioned will have a flat 3.8% net investment income tax added to it. On top of whatever the tax would normally be, another flat 3.8% is added to it. So for example, if you have uh, you're married, file a joint return, you have $300,000 of total income, so you're over the 250 and let's assume uh, you know 50 of your 300 was long-term capital gains from selling a stock you've owned for 10 years. So that $50,000 of capital gains in addition to being taxed at the regular, you know, capital gains tax rate of whatever it is, 15 or 20% in your case, you'll have to add another 3.8% flat tax on top of it. That's the net investment income tax. Um, this one also has some, some, some minor tweaks that won't apply to most people. So for the most part, the, the, the Maggie for net investment income tax is going to just simply be the same as your adjusted gross income. Uh, rarely is it, is it different for folks? Again, check the um, check the YouTube video. It has, uh, you know, it, it has the, the full 
screenshot of what the actual Maggie is. You can see the other things that go into it. For, for, for all intents and purposes, though, for most people, this Maggie is simply going to be equal to your Aggie, your AGI. Again, this is a net investment income tax. I also have a separate video on the net investment income tax to talk about more about what that is. I will uh, put a link to that in the show notes as well. And finally, the fifth Maggie I'd like to discuss is the one used to determine eligibility for premium tax credits if you get your health insurance through the ACA, otherwise known as Affordable Care Act, aka Obamacare, because this was the sort of broad sweeping revamp to the national um, healthcare system or or the accessibility to healthcare, I should say, uh, put in place under President Obama. Hence, it's it's been dubbed Obamacare for, for better or worse. There are potentially sizable tax credits you can get, which are ultimately subsidies to help defray the, the monthly premium cost of policies you get through the Affordable Care Act, aka ACA, aka Obamacare. And the way it works is if your income is below or, or, or within certain bands, you get uh, some subsidies to help reduce the, the amount of the premium you pay each month. And, and it's tiered. Um, it's keyed off of the federal poverty level and, and how large or small your your income is relative to the federal poverty level. All else equal, the smaller your income is, the larger the subsidy or credit you can get to help defray your monthly premium. And vice versa, the larger your income is, the smaller your, your credit will be. If any, at some point you may get phased out. Now, uh, this year, 2022 is the last year there is an exception to the income rules it used to be if your income was over four times the federal poverty level hard stop you get no credit or subsidy now for last year 2021 and this year 2022 there's not this hard cliff now there's a slow sort of rolling phase out of credits but I'll, i'll leave that there that's a whole separate squirrely topic but the point is the um amount of income the the government looks at for purposes of determining your eligibility to get credits and how many credits you can get is based on its own special definition of Maggie. And specifically this Maggie, like the rest, starts with your AGI. It adds back in any tax-free interest you may have received, which again is, is typically almost always municipal bond interest, if, if any. So it adds that back in. And it adds back in the... Um, non-taxable portion of social security recall i said before that at most under current legislation only 85 percent of your social security at most may be subject to taxation which means at least 15 percent will, will not be well that's still true for regular income tax it's still capped at no more than 85 percent of your social security uh, will be included as taxable but for this maggie for getting these aca healthcare credits they make you add back in the untaxable portion of your social security. So in essence, it's saying 100% of your gross social security benefits will be included as income for purposes of the Maggie for your ability to potentially get uh, these premium tax credit subsidies for for Affordable Care Act um, uh, credits. Now, there's also some some other, those other foreign uh, certain foreign deductions you may have gotten, you have to add those back in. But again, I'm choosing to leave that out because they, they rarely apply to people. So I see the full definition of this, Maggie. Also check out the YouTube video as well uh, in, in case that those foreign things do happen to apply to you. <clears throat> All right, that's it. That That's the uh, the five Maggies I wanted to touch. Again, modified adjusted gross income. Now these, like I said, aren't all of them. There's at least a dozen I'm aware of. These are just the five that you're most likely to possibly come across uh, in, in, in retirement planning, at least. Other stages of life, like like the ability to get um, 
certain deductions for higher education expenses. There's different Maggie's for that, but I, I did not touch on that. You know, the, uh, those who have kids or if you're yourself uh, in, in college or higher education, then those things will apply to you. But for purposes of the retirement planning education podcast, I thought I'd, I'd leave it out. So that's it. Definitely check out the the links to the uh, the YouTube videos and that handy cheat sheet you can download. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. I, th- I think you'll find that really helpful in summarizing these Maggie's. And as always, if you like this show and the stuff discussed here, you'll definitely dig my other content sources, which is the Facebook group, Taxes and Retirement, my uh, YouTube channel, Retirement Planning Demystified, and my monthly newsletter, Retirement Planning Insights. You can find links to all three of those in the show notes. And finally, if you do, in fact, uh, love this podcast, which I'm sure you all do, wink, wink, please give it a a like, a review, a five star, a, a whatever means of acknowledgement you can for whatever podcast platform you're using you're using to listening to this. All right, that's it. Take care. Thank you as always. I will see you next time. The information discussed in this podcast is only general explanations and education. It is not specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Before considering acting on anything you heard here, first consult with your tax, legal, or investment advisor. Thank you. Thank you.